Amen. Go with me, if you will, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 10. 1 Samuel chapter number 10, verse number 5 through 11. I want to welcome our online audience while you're looking for that passage. Thank you for being with us today. Amen. It's our prayer that you'll be blessed for joining with Bethlehem Church this morning. 1 Samuel chapter number 10. Verse number five, if you found it, say praise the Lord. Lord. Amen. Next Sunday morning, Bishop Wilson will be preaching. Amen. I know you're going to want to bring as many as you can. We'll have a great time next Sunday morning. First Samuel 10 and five. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where the garrison of the Philistines, where is the garrison of the Philistines? And it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery with a tabret with a pipe and a harp before them and they shall prophesy and the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee and thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those things came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon him. And he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time, when all that knew him saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? All that knew him before time, said, Behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then said the people, What is this that has come unto the son of Kish? They asked the question, the son of Kish was King Saul. They asked the question, basically, what happened to Saul? When they that knew him before, the people that knew him before this said, What has happened to him? What happened to Saul? That's what I'm going to preach about this morning. What happened to Saul? Lord, I thank you for this great congregation of people today. I thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy and for the power of your word. Lord, I pray, God, that you would let the anointing of the Holy Ghost be on me to preach this word that you've sent for us today. 
God, this is a right now word for this church and for the people in this church. Anoint me to preach and anoint our ears to hear, God. Let the yoke be destroyed because of the anointing. Have your way, Lord Jesus, for we have made up our mind to worship you and to give you the glory, oh God. We have determined that we want your presence in this place, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet us in this house. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Now look, I'm just going to tell you, if you don't help me preach, I'm going to purposely preach twice as long as I was going to anyway. All right, I got 1,600 sermons in here, and I'll just go through them. It's going to be your choice this morning. How's that for a deal? All right. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Saul is one of the most notorious characters in the entire Bible. There are a lot of villains in Scripture, but mostly they are wicked people or leaders of foreign lands. When we think of that, we think of Pharaoh and the Egyptians and Sennacherib and the Assyrians and Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. You have the Philistines and the Amalekites and the Moabites and other idolatrous people groups. The list of God's people who become infamous in a, is a fairly short list considering how many thousands of years the Bible covers. The list of the most dishonorable is fairly short. I would, the, just off the top of my head, the three that stood out the most were Esau, Judas, and then the subject of this morning's message, Saul. They are notorious for the way that they failed in their service to the Lord. When considering King Saul, we most often jump to the end of his life and talk about his failures, his rebellion, his witchcraft, all the things, his, his, his irrational hatred of David. And indeed, it is how you finish that really counts, not how you start as much. But there is still a fairly large portion of Saul's life where this man was powerfully used of God, and it's important that we don't forget those times that God moved through Saul. As a matter of fact, nine times the Bible refers to King Saul as, quote, the Lord's anointed. It's important for us to realize that it is entirely possible that even if we start off right, that we can get off track spiritually and get off target in our walk with God. Amen. We have to maintain our relationship with the Lord. Can somebody say amen? I don't want to just live off what I, off my, my walk with God from 10, 15, 20 years ago or even 10, 15 days ago. I want a right now on fire relationship with God. Amen. Saul, King Saul serves as a reminder that we must not allow ourselves to drift and our hearts to drift away from God when it comes to how we serve him. I don't want to live my life for God for a, quite a time and then in the end fail to obey him and miss what God wants to do in my life. Saul is a reminder that you can't put your soul on cruise control. 
Are you with me this morning? Amen. Saul is a reminder that we can't just live off yesteryear and how we started, but I got to serve God with all my heart today. I've got to serve him today with my desire, with my passion. I must live for God with everything I have right now. I can't just point back to way back when I got the Holy Ghost or way back when I was on fire. Having been on fire is not a good excuse for not being on fire right now. I need a right now touch from God in my, I don't want to end up like Saul. I don't want to end up the subject of a sermon where somebody says, I know how Brother V's life ended. I know how his ministry ended up. But there was a time when he was close to God. And there was a time when he heard from God. I don't want to become somebody's sermon story of what happens when somebody lets their life drift away from God. Lord, help me to be on fire for you right now, God. Help me to serve you right now. I wish somebody would raise their hand and say, God, I need a fresh anointing in my life today. Come on, can you help me? God, I don't want to live off just yesterday and what I used to be, but I want a relationship with you right now. I wish somebody would re reach out to God and call on him and say, God, I need you now. We must maintain our relationship with the Lord or we may very well end up like a King Saul who after doing great things for the Lord became complacent and apathetic about spiritual things. And this lack of spiritual desire in Saul and this lack of spiritual discipline caused Saul to miss the mark spiritually, die shipwrecked, and become a byword and an embarrassment to God and God's people. 1 Samuel 15 and 23 is the reproof from Samuel to Saul, where Saul had, had directly disobeyed the command of God. And for this, Samuel told him, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou has rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected thee from being king. Saul rebelled against the Lord and asked what, against what the Lord had asked him to do. Preachers and teachers have tried to identify why Saul did what he did. They've tried to come up with reasons why perhaps Saul disobeyed the word of the Lord. But his excuse for rebellion is not going to hold water with God. Rebellion against God for any reason is still wrong. Can somebody say amen? amen. Not only did, did Saul commit spiritual witchcraft by rebelling against the word of the Lord, he also committed spiritual idolatry and iniquity by his stubbornness. You see, it's one thing to just reject and rebel, but some of us, we don't go quite that far as rebellion, but we might go so far as to be stubborn. Amen. Don't look at your spouse or husband when you say amen to that one. Just look straight ahead and say amen. Spiritual stubbornness is a dangerous thing. Praise God. I heard a preacher in my teen years 
defines stubbornness as slow obedience. God, I'll do what you say, but I'll do it when I'm ready to do it. God, I'll obey you, but I'll obey you when I feel good and ready to obey. It's basically telling God, I'll do what you want to do, but I'll do it on my time frame. And the, the prophet of God looked at Saul and said, stubbornness is as idolatry and iniquity. It is delaying to do what's right. In 1 Samuel 5, 15 and 26, a couple of verses later, Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. May I tell you, we must be very careful in how we handle the word of the Lord when it comes to us this morning. Amen. I realize you have heard a lot of sermons over your lifetime. You've heard a lot of preaching, especially those that have been around here for a long time. You've heard a lot of preaching and you've heard a lot of sermons. And if we're not careful, it's easy to relegate what we hear preached into just another sermon and just another message. But Samuel told Saul, you rejected the word of God and so God has rejected you. You better be careful how you receive what I'm preaching to you this morning. I'm trying to emphasize because I know God has spoken to me for this sermon. And I know that God has given me a word for the people in this sanctuary right now. And so I'm bringing you this warning before I get into what I really want to preach and tell you, you need to be very careful how you receive what the word of God is bringing to your life this morning. It could make all the difference. You hear me? It could make all the difference in your walk with God, how you receive what God is trying to tell you right now. I think we ought to lift our hands and say, God, help me, God, to get out of this message what you want me to get from it there was a time in Saul's life when he was not the failure that rebelled against God he wasn't the man who had the kingdom rent from his hand there was a time when Saul was mightily and powerfully used of God that is the season of Saul's life that I really want to key in on this morning in 1 Samuel 10 and 5, after that, shalt thou, after that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city that shall meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabard and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. This verse starts out with the phrase, you shall come to the hill of God. This phrase, the hill of God, is a reference to a place of worship. It was located about three miles north of Jerusalem. It was a place where men could bring their sacrifice to offer to the Lord, and they would offer it on top of that hill. That particular hill became known as the hill of God, for it was a place where people could come and sacrifice and worship the Lord. This place, the Bible says, after that, thou shalt come to the hill of God. And then it adds this phrase, where is the garrison of the Philistines? The enemy, the Philistines, had built a garrison, a military post, on the hill of God. The enemy had chosen the place where Israel went to worship as a place for them to build their stronghold. This region is covered by hilltops. 
It's covered by multiple places where the enemy could have conveniently built a garrison. It did not have to be on the hill of God, but the enemy had decided, I'm going to build my garrison on the place where God's people come to worship. If I can get them to not worship, then the battle will be ours. If I can stop them from coming to the place of worship, then I can stop them from getting victory through their God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a stronghold at the place of their worship. Because if I can build a stronghold and keep them from worshiping, we can overcome God's people. May I tell you, my brothers and sisters, my friends this morning, uh, that the enemy has come to take your worship. Amen. The spiritual powers that oppose your soul have determined that if they can take your worship, they can destroy your soul. The enemy wants your place of worship. The enemy wants your hill of worship. The devil wants to occupy the place of your praise this morning. If he can get you focused on everything else, if he can get you more concerned with what you've got to do after church or what you've got to do this week or what's going on in your life or how tired you are or how sick you are or how frustrated, if he can get your mind off of worship, if he can build a stronghold where your worship is, he can defeat you. That's why you've got to be determined. I'm going to worship you, God, no matter what I feel like, no matter what I'm going through. God, I'm going to worship you even though I'm discouraged. I'm going to worship you even though I'm weak. I'm going to worship you even though I'm struggling. I'm going to worship you even though I'm facing temptation. I'm going to worship you even though I don't feel good. Even though I've got pressure in my life, I'm not going to let the enemy occupy my hill of worship. Somebody ought to praise God right now. The Pentecostals ought to show up and worship God right now. I refuse to let the enemy have my worship. There's some folks here, you're going through battles in your life, and I'm going to just tell you right now, you will not win without your worship. You will not overcome the enemy without your worship. That's why you've got to dedicate yourself to praise God. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him right now. The enemy wants to occupy your worship. You ought to clap your hands just to prove to the devil that he can't have your hand clap. You ought to lift your voice just to prove to the devil that he can't occupy your voice of praise. Somebody ought to shout right now just to prove to the devil that he doesn't own your shout. Hey, come on, I've come to praise him. I'm not going to let him have my hill of worship. He'll get you focused on the world. He'll get you focused on problems, trials, tests. He'll get you worried about what people think about you. He'll get you focused on sin, on anything he can, so he can occupy the hill of your worship. Let me ask you this. It's a very simple question. If worship is not important, then why does the devil fight it so hard? If your worship is not, so, is not important to God, 
and to your spiritual strength. Why just a few moments ago, when sat down in your spirit, you had that desire to worship him, but you were afraid of what somebody else might think about you, or you had your mind distracted on something else, or you were afraid that somebody might think you look silly. If, that, if worship is not important, then why did the devil send that thought to your mind to stop you from doing it? I'm telling you, the devil knows if he can occupy your hill of worship, he can destroy your soul, but not me, devil. You can't have my praise. You can't have my worship. I'm not giving it up. I'm not giving up my hand clap. I know the world thinks it's silly, but I'm giving it to God, not to the world. Yeah, I'm not going to stop my hand wave to God because it's not for the world. It's for God. I wish somebody praise him right now. If worshiping God is not one of the most important things that we do, then why would the Philistines build a garrison on the hill of worship? The Philistines sent soldier after soldier to garrison on the hill of God to keep people from worshiping God there. Let's look again at verse 5 of 1 Samuel 10. And after that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place. Praise God. With a psaltery and a tavern and a pipe and a heart before them. Thank God that even though the Philistines had built a garrison on the hill of worship, thank God there were still some men who went up to the high place and worship God. Thank God that even though the enemy tried to stop it, there were some people that said, you're not going to stop my praise. You're not going to stop my worship. I'm going to still go up. I'm going to take my psaltery, my tablet, my pipe, my harp, and I'm going to worship God anyway. Thank God that in this wicked world, there's still some people who want to worship God. I know it's not popular in modern society, but I've come to praise God. I've come to worship God. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. There are some people who will still worship even when the enemy is garrisoned against it. The world doesn't mind, look, the world doesn't mind you standing and clapping and lifting your hands to acknowledge a sports team. Well, praise God. The world doesn't mind you standing and clapping your hands and lifting your hands to acknowledge a politician or some perverted cultural music or movie or TV star of some sort. But when it's done for God, they call it crazy. I'm not worried what a crazy world thinks about my crazy praise. I'm not worried what a crazy society thinks about my praise. I'm not giving it to them. I'm giving it to God. The enemy doesn't mind people giving their bodies and their energy to hell on a dance floor. You heard, you heard what I said? I said the enemy doesn't mind people giving their bodies to worship the devil on a dance floor. But worship in an altar is considered silly. Not here, it's not. This is a house of praise. This is a house of worship. That's what we came here for. That's who we are. Thank God there's still men and women who will climb the garrison 
to climb the hill against the garrison of the enemy to worship God. someone is in a place where their worship where there is worship when someone is in a place where there is worship and an anointed word from the Lord it changes them the Bible said these men came with their worship instruments and they prophesied they spoke the word of God when you see the word prophesy in the Bible it is it is often a, a the, the office of a prophet where they predict the future but it's not always that. To prophesy is to speak a word from the Lord. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the future. It can be just a word from God. I'll tell you that most of the time that I prophesy, it's while I'm preaching the Bible. It's not calling somebody out. It's preaching the word. God's speaking through the preaching of the word. And these men, they came from the hill of God with their worship, and they began to speak the word of God. And when they had worship, and they had the word. Look what happened in the next verse, verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. Hallelujah. Amen. You want to know how to get full of the Holy Ghost? Worship and word. Worship and word will touch you by the Spirit of God. Amen. You may feel like you're far from God, but you just keep coming to the house of God and be in worship and hear the word. Your life may be in a mess. You may be a long way from right, but you just keep coming to the house of the Lord and let the worship and the word touch your life. You may be breaking to pieces. You may be falling apart, but you just keep coming to the house of God and let the worship and the word speak. And in time, you will be filled with the spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and notice, and shall be turned into another man. Transformation happens. Listen to me. Transformation happens. When you are in worship and the Word. When we worship and the Word, the Spirit of the Lord comes, and then the Bible says that he was turned into Another man. Transformation happens when we worship God. Let the word get into our life and let the spirit of God move. When we have the word, the worship, and the spirit, then we can be turned into another man. I'm praying God transforms somebody today. I don't want just another go through the motions, patty cake service where we have a few songs, an offering, and a sermon, and then go home. I'm praying for a transformative experience in somebody's life in the house of God. God today and it comes through worship look even look even if I was far from God if I was the worst sinner in the house if I was the worst sinner in the house I wouldn't let that keep me from worshiping right now well I don't I don't deserve I don't deserve to worship God listen honey worship's not about you at all it's not about what you deserve or what you've earned worship is about what he deserves and what he earns worship is never about the worshiper it's always about the one being worshipped you may be the worst sinner in the house you may have had a night last night to beat all other nights but you lift your hands and worship God because the Bible said let everything that has breath praise the Lord 
I wouldn't let anything stop my worship right now. I need it. I need a transformation to happen. I need a breakthrough. I need a revival in my life. I need a touch from God. My family needs God. So I'm going to worship no matter what because I can worship in his presence. And when I worship and the word, the spirit comes and begins to transform somebody into another man. Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't want to just be around the Spirit. I want to be changed by the Spirit. Can I preach on a little bit more? Verse number 9. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. God gave him another heart. There was something. Now notice, none of this had happened yet. At this point, it was just a word from God. It was just a sermon that Samuel preached to him. Samuel said, look, you're going to go, and when you come to the hill of God, there's going to be men coming down. They're going to have their, their worship instruments, and they're going to prophesy. And then, and then when that happens, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come on you, and you're going to be turned into another man. Right At this point, it's just a word. It's just a promise. It's just a sermon from Samuel. But it was so that when he turned his back to go from Samuel. So he hears the word and he obeys it and he turns to go towards the hill of the Lord. When he takes that one simple step of turning around, his heart began to change. He didn't stand there and say, okay, God, when you change me, I'm going to go do what you told me to do. He just did one simple movement. Just one simple movement. All he did was turn around. And by that one, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. By that one small step of obedience, God turned his heart. Let me tell you, if you'll start the turn, God will finish the turn. If you'll start the turn, God will finish the turn. If you'll turn your feet, God will turn your heart. God, I feel that right now. You're, some people here are waiting for something to happen to drastically turn your life around. God, what are you going? God's not going to turn your life around. You turn yourself around, and God will turn your heart around. But you got to turn first. I said you got to turn first. You got to turn first. God's not going to turn you around. You got to turn around. I wish somebody prayed. I feel what I'm preaching. I feel like God's talking to somebody. I feel like God's reaching for somebody. God, you want to turn around in your life, but you want God to do it all. God's not going to do it. You got to turn, and then God. Oh, God. Oh, God, when somebody makes that step, when somebody makes that step towards you, when somebody makes that turn towards you, God, I pray that you turn their heart and begin to give them desires for you to worship. Oh, all over this place. Oh, come on, some, there's some of you can feel what the Holy Ghost is doing here. You can feel what God's trying to do here. Hey! God, we need a move of your spirit. God, we need a move of your spirit. God, we need a move of your spirit. When the Holy Ghost comes, it'll transform your life. 
It'll break the chains of your addiction. It'll break the chains of your depression. It'll break the chains of your discouragement. It'll break the chains of your past. It'll break the chains of your abuse. But if you'll turn, God's spirit will turn it all around. Glory to God. Come on, it's time to praise him all over this place. There's a, hey, I don't have to finish a sermon. I don't have to finish a sermon. When the Holy Ghost moves, it's time to move. God, I want something to happen in this place today that when we leave here, everybody that knew us before will say, my God, what happened to her? What happened to him? What happened to Saul? It's not the same man. He's not the same man that got up and went to church this morning. He's not the same one that walked in the door. Something happened. Something transformed. Something changed. Come on, somebody ought to fight for your hill of worship right now. Somebody ought to take back their worship right now. Oh, God, what would it be like? What would it be like if you walked to work in the morning? You walked into your workplace and everybody around you said, my God, what happened to you? There's something different about you. There's something changed about you. What happened to Saul? I'll tell you what happened. He got in contact with the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, that's right. Come on, reach over, pray with somebody. The Holy Ghost is reaching for somebody. The Spirit of the Lord is touching somebody this morning. He's got a brand new life for someone. He's got a brand new start. He's got a fresh beginning for somebody. I'm talking about a transformation in the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on, this is your time. You don't need me to be barking at you. You don't need me to be preaching right now. It's your time to reach out for God. The Spirit of the Lord is what transforms and changes. God, we need a move of your spirit. God, we need your spirit to come on somebody today. God, we need your spirit to touch somebody today. You want a real transformation? Why don't you reach your hands up to heaven? Uh, I'm not talking about a little goosebump touch that we go home and we go right back to what we were. I'm not talking about a spiritual painkiller that makes us feel good for a few hours till we get home and settle back into our life. I'm not talking about a little Sunday high that wears off when we go into work tomorrow. I'm talking about a real transformation. It comes by the Spirit of the Lord. 
Why don't you throw your hands up to heaven and say, God, I need everything the Holy Ghost can do in my life. God, I need that transformative power to turn me into another man. I need that transformative power that changes me, turns me around. God, I'm taking my step. And I'm asking you, there's some of you, you've been wondering why God's been dealing with your heart about, you've been wondering what it was, you've been uncomfortable with life, you've been uncomfortable with things, you feel like there's, there's something just out of sync in your life, something not right. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's the Spirit of the Lord trying to turn your heart and to turn you in another direction. It's God making you uncomfortable with where you are because He's got greater things for you and more for you. And so He's tearing up the nest to get you to learn how to fly. He's making you uncomfortable where you are because there's a breakthrough of the Holy Ghost. Oh God, I feel it for somebody. There's a new dimension and a fresh anointing. And so you're uncomfortable where you are because God is taking you to another place. God, it's by the Spirit of the Lord. I pray, God, let something happen in somebody's life this morning so that when we leave, they'll say, my God, what happened to Saul? He's not the same man he was. He, he, Brother Wilson, he, he's not the same man he was when he clocked out of work on Friday. He came back Monday, and he's not the same person that he was. What happened? What happened to him? That, 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 that lady that was in the office when we clocked out on, on Friday evening is not the same lady that clocked back in on Sunday. What happened? Something changed. Something turned around. I would to God that somebody go back home to your family this afternoon. They'll say, that's not the same discouraged person that walked out this morning. They came home different. What happened to Saul? tell you what happened. It was the Spirit of the Lord that happened. It was the transformative power of the gospel and the blood of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord. I wish we'd lift our hands all over this place. Anybody ready for a change? Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh I feel, man, there's people all over this place. You can feel the touch of God on you right now. It's happening in people's hearts. You can feel the subtle turn of you. When you came this morning, you didn't have a plan on feeling like you're feeling right now. But here you are. That's because you let the Word and the Spirit begin to turn your heart. And that, my brothers and sisters, is how God does it. Reach over and pray with somebody close to you. Just reach over and pray. There's some hungry people in this house right now. Look around, look around. Oh God, I need you. Oh God, I need that transformative touch of the Holy Ghost in my life. Come on, this can be your moment, brother. This can be your moment, sister. This can be your time right now. That's right, come on, we're gonna press a little bit. We're gonna press a little bit. Look around, look at look at somebody close to you that the Holy Ghost is working on. And reach over and pray with them. This is this is a serious moment right here. This is 
a serious time right now. Oh, yes, Lord. God, I'm hungry for more. Come on, can you do it? Can you read? Can we turn this into more than just a typical Sunday morning? Can we turn this into just more than just another, another dismissal time? But God, I need a touch.
folks are getting the strength they've needed. God, I don't want to reject your word. I'm being too busy. God, I want to receive this word for my life because I need transformation. to God. That he would send a word to you. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you're facing. He knows the hurts and the frustrations and the trials and the tribulations. sent somebody to tell you today that there is a transformation that can happen. A change that happens by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to reclaim the hill of my worship. I'm going to let the Word of God speak to me. But then I'm going to take it further. I'm going to let the Spirit of the Lord do a work in my life. And so what I'm praying is your eyes are closed and your hands are lifted all over this place. What I'm praying is that somehow by the preaching of the word, I've brought you to a moment where you'll take that turn towards God like Saul did. To make that turn around in your life. And when you make that shift in your life towards godliness, then God will begin to turn your heart and turn you into another man. More than religion. More than religion. But the kind of real change that makes somebody stop and say, what happened? to you what changed one more time can you reach over to somebody close to you and pray for your brother or your sister make sure they know make sure they know they're not in this alone make sure they know they're not in the battle by themselves That's right. Come on, let's pray. The Holy Ghost is still moving here. Let's take a few more moments. Let's pray. The magnitude of this moment for somebody is life-changing. The magnitude of this turnaround 
for someone is what they've been hoping for their entire life. That's right. Minister one to another. Pray one for another. Let the grace of God work through your prayers right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on. We're, we're not going to take a whole lot longer. We're just going to spend a, a, a little bit more time right now letting the Holy Ghost move. In the name of Jesus, God, I speak a blessing over these men and women and young people, over their mind, their heart, their family, their spirit. God, I pray a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost in their life. God, that we be turned and be different from this moment forward. Oh, God, that the dark cloud that we've been carrying would be lifted by the grace and the mercy of your Spirit. And for transformation to begin in our mind and in our heart. A new day, a new life, a new revival, a new breakthrough, new joy, new victory, new peace. I declare it and I speak it by the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, Brother Austin's going to come, but before, before he comes, this certifies that Sierra Rinky was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, June the 20th. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Can you lift your voice and worship the Lord together today? Come on, let's lift him up one more time. Come on, let's praise him one more time. Don't let the enemy take your praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift him up one more time. Praise him for the victory. Praise him for turning your life around today. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, God. We magnify you, God. We lift up your holy name, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands unto God and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Aren't you thankful for the word this morning?